Open to Psalm 55, 22, please. Psalm 55, 22. We begin a new series. And uh, you might not have known it. I wasn't sure myself. But uh, it is a series. And we use this text in Psalm 55, 22. Psalm 55, 22. Let's agree in prayer and in faith that we get exactly what we're supposed to get the rest of the service here. Father, we ask you for utterance. We ask you for eyes that can see and ears that can hear and heart and mind that can discern and understand. Give us revelation of light uh, and truth that makes free, answers to questions, solutions to problems, and direction for the next steps in your plan. And we purpose not to be hearers only nor forgetful hearers, but as you help us, we will be doers, doers. And as we act on it, we know things will change in our life because you always watch over your word and perform it in the lives of those who do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen means so be it. Come on, somebody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. Those are the only people that get miracles. The only people that see changes in their life, not just church goers, not just program watchers or DVD players, only the doers. And I just heard a bunch of you say that you are. Is that right? Well, here's a verse that we should do. We should do all of them. Uh, but the Lord focuses our attention on different ones at different times. So Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden upon the Lord. Who's going to do that? Yeah. Understood subject is you. You cast your burden upon the Lord. And if and when you do that, what's going to happen next? He shall sustain you. Anybody like the sound of that? Yeah. He shall sustain you. Well, I do. Uh, that's, that's been quickened to my spirit. If you weren't here with us uh, or joined with us a couple of weekends ago, the first one on this we talked about kept by his power. And we camped out in Psalm 91. And we went through verse by verse and shouted about how he keeps us. How he sustains us. And uh, I believe we're supposed to camp on it some more. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. He'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. We're righteous by our faith in Jesus. He's given us his very own righteousness. Listen to some other translations on this verse. The complete Jewish says, unload your burden on Adonai and he will sustain you. Unload your burden on who? Unload on your husband. (laughs) What? (laughs) Unload on your sister or your brother. No, no. no. Unload on who? The Lord. The Lord. And and he will sustain you. Uh, The Amplified says, cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. Don't you like that? releasing the weight of it and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be moved, made to slip, 
fall or fail. What be the opposite of releasing the weight of it? Holding on to it. Why would he have to tell you? Cast it on the Lord. Release the weight of it. Why would he have to tell us this? And this is not the only place he told us. How many know the Bible says in the New Testament, Philippians, be careful for nothing. 1 Peter 5, casting all your care on him. Take no thought for the morrow in Matthew 6. Why does he have to keep telling us this? Huh? Because the tendency is to walk by sight. And if faith is not where it should be, to cling to it and worry about it. And fret about it. And fear about it. And in so doing, it's your care, your burden. Burden is a weight. Burden is a load. It's a heavy load. Well, quit carrying it. Could it be that simple? (laughs) Could it be? People say, boy, you you almost carry a heavy load. The churches and and all that stuff you're believing for and all those things you're doing and and you got the staff payroll to think about and and you got this and you got that. It must be a heavy load. Not on me. Not on Phyllis. I like what Brother Jesse Duplantis said one time. He and Brother Kenneth Copeland were doing some TV. And Brother Kenneth asked Jesse, he said, Jesse, what, what do you do when uh, all those huge TV bills come in? He said, I hold them up and go, Jesus, you have mail. <laughs> now, that sounds funny, but uh, he must do that. He must genuinely do that to make it as well as he does. Hmm? The moment you start letting it settle on your tiny, little, narrow, weak shoulders. Well, I'm pretty strong. You ain't, nobody's that strong. Nobody's that big and strong to carry what we're talking about here. We're not designed to handle it, which is why God said, give it to me. All it'll do is break you down. Give you migraines and ulcers. Come on, are you listening to me? Make your immune system weak and cause you to lose sleep. Come on, tell me what you're going to do. You're going to do what the Bible said. And you're going to cast your burdens and cares on the Lord. Then tell me what happens next. What happens next? He will sustain me. Don't you like that? He will sustain me. Come on, say it out loud. He will sustain me. Say it again. He will sustain me. How are you going to make it through all this stuff? He will sustain me. Are you going to worry about it? Freda, if you do, you didn't cast your burden on him. You still got it on you, and you haven't done your part. So you don't have any reason to expect him to be able to sustain you. He said, let me read some other translations. It says, uh, put your cares on the Lord. This is the BBE. And he will be your support. Don't you like that? Another one said, he will put your cares on the Lord and he will support you. Throw your burden on the Lord and he'll sustain you. Another one said. 
Another one said, turn your worries over to the Lord. He will keep you going. You believe that? I'm counting on it. I am counting on it. Have been counting on it. And going to continue. And I'm going to do so more so. I've learned a few things. About casting my cares over on the Lord. And trusting him. But I know I haven't arrived. I'm going to do it better. Anybody in here with me? I'm going to do it better. That was a word for somebody right there. Come on somebody say. I'm getting better. Every day. At casting my cares. Over on him. Now, how many believe it's essential that we do this if we want him to be able to take care of us? Because if we don't do this, if we're carrying it and we've got it, he doesn't have it. And if we can't do anything with it and we don't give it to the one who can do something with it, we're in a bad place. We do it by faith. Sustain means to keep. It's also translated nourish, feed, provide, guide, hold, and of course, sustain. Amen. Let me read that to you again. Yes. When it says, cast your burdens on him and what will he do? He will sustain you. That word means he'll keep you. Yes. He will nourish you. He will feed you. He'll provide for you. He will guide you. He will hold you. Amen. Amen. Woo! Amen. Amen. Mm-mm-mm. Glory be to God. Now we ended up last time on Psalm 91, 16. If you'd look at that. Psalm 91, 16. He said, if you read this whole psalm, it began by talking about he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Under the shadow of the Almighty. And he goes all through this psalm about talking about how if you trust in the Lord and stay hooked to him and stay under him. He'll keep you from plagues. He'll keep you from violence. I mean thing after thing after thing. And he ends it up right here with saying with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. The new century says I will give them a long full life and they will see how I can save. Hallelujah. God's word translation says, I'll satisfy you with a long life. I will show you how I will save you. Now, that makes perfect sense when you realize how are you going to make it to a long, full life? Huh? Because you didn't die from the plague. You didn't die from the era that flew by day. Come on, are you listening? All these things that he just got through talking about, you didn't die from this, you didn't die from that, your life wasn't cut short with this. And because he sustained you through every one of those things, you wound up old. <laughs> Biblically old. Old. And full of life and full of days, you've run your race, you've finished your course. And what can you say at the end of it? Tell me what you could say about how you made it. 
how did you make it when others didn't make it past this or past that or past that? How did you make it through all those things? You don't want to stand up and say, I was tougher than everybody else. Because that just ain't true. Or I was smarter. No, no, no. He sustained me. He kept me through every one of these things. Hallelujah. Now go with me to Exodus, please. Exodus, the 15th chapter. And let's talk about one area that he had, we just got through reading it, but one area that he'd have to sustain us in for us to make it all the way to a long, full life. Exodus 15 and 23 says, when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah for they're bitter. They called the place Marah. The people murmured against Moses said, what shall we drink? And Exodus 15:25 he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree he cast it into the waters and the waters were made sweet Can the Lord make the bitter sweet yes. Can he make the bad good yes. the diseased clean yes. Can he yes. He can These waters were poisonous And just like that he made them good waters to drink now that's amazing, isn't it? If he can do that to a, a, a pool of waters, he can do that to a liver. He turned the water into wine. Its molecular uh, structure was changed. Just like that. Well, he made it. I said he made it. So I reckon he could change it. If you don't think it's too hard for him. Anyway, he... He made the water sweet and he made a statute and an ordinance and there he proved them and he said, verse 26, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do what's right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases on thee which I brought upon the Egyptians. That was into judgment. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Amen. Glory to God. I am the Lord Another translation says, good news says, I am the Lord, the one who heals you. Amen. He is our great physician. Yes. The Lord, our healer. Yes. Do you have a healer? Come on, do you? Yes. Do you have a healer? Yes. The complete English says, I am the Lord, your God. I cure your diseases. New American says, I'm the Lord, your healer. Young's literal says, I'm Jehovah, am healing you. I am your healer. Now, I want you to, to notice something. We're going to look at another verse just in a moment here. But this is in connection with us doing, them doing, and it applies to us. We're going to see how it applies in the New Testament. But you know, uh, this is one of those great redemptive names, Jehovah. And he is Jehovah, our healer. Amen? He's Jehovah, our shepherd, is he still Jehovah our shepherd? Is he still the Lord who is present? The Lord our peace? Shama, is, is he still all these things? And he's still Jehovah Rapha. Nobody has a right to say he used to be the healer, but the great I am no longer is. Who can say that? If you're going to say it, you've got to say it concerning all those other things too. You can say, you have to say he used to be the shepherd. He used to be the protector. He used to be the peace. No, the great I am has not changed. Amen. He still is. Amen. 
Our righteousness, our peace, right? Our shepherd. And he is our healer too. Somebody say, I have a healer. The Lord is my healer. Tell him, say, you are the Lord who heals me. Now this was said in connection with them doing what he told them to do. Go to the 23rd chapter. Exodus 23. And you'll see the same thought. It's repeated also in Deuteronomy 7. It's also found in Deuteronomy 28 and other places. But notice this. Exodus 23 and 25. Exodus 23, 25. I'm reading the Living Bible. It says, you shall serve the Lord your God only. Then I will bless you with food and with water. I will take away sickness from among you. There will be no miscarriages, no barrenness throughout your land. And you'll live out the full quota of the days of your life. Here's that long life again. And, but again, we see how are you going to make it through long life? Now, a lot of people might say, well, with good medical care. <laughs> and thank God for good medical care. And thank God for the knowledge we have. Medical care is a far different thing than it was 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. Or 75 years ago. Oh, yeah. Or 100 years ago. Whew. And yet, and yet, if the Lord tarries his coming. And things go on and and advancements continue to be made the next 50 years, the next 100 years. They'll look back to what we're doing in medical science right now and go, you're kidding. They did that to you? They stuck you with that? They opened you up and did that? I'm talking about what the latest, greatest is happening right now. Thank God for it. But it's just not enough to cover every scenario. And to take care of you. And it's too quickly that they can look at you and say, this is all that can be done. This is incurable. This is terminal. Now you got to think about these guys back then. (laughs) Huh? No clinics at all. None. No miracle drugs. None. And yet God's telling them, you do what I tell you to do. I will get you all the way through your infancy, through your childhood. Come on, listen, through your teenage years, through your childbearing years. Think about that childbearing back in those days. Yeah, oh, man. Just in the tent. Mm-hmm. That's it. And yet you can make it all the way to a long, full life. Yeah. Did he do it? Yeah. He did it. Can he still do it? No matter what we have or don't have, God is able to keep us and take us all the way. Somebody say, I believe it. The Message Bible says it like this. But you, you serve your God. Everybody say, serve your God. Serve your God and he'll bless your food and your water. I'll get rid of the sickness among you. God said it. Is the word of God still the word of God? You hear people say, well, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, that's Old Testament. So what they had is better than what we got. We lost some things by the coming of Jesus and the better covenant. 
The great I am, the Lord who heals you, has changed and is no longer. Let me give you an example. Anybody know that a $100 bill is better than a $50 bill? That's not a trick question. That's, That's a fact of life. Come on. Anybody understand plainly? $100 bill? Better. You know why? It's got the 50 in it. Plus. Plus. More. You know why our covenant is a better covenant established upon better promises with a better mediator? Because we got everything they had. Plus. Plus, 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 plus. But we didn't lose these precious things by the coming of Jesus. He still is the great I am, the Lord who heals you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it again. You are the Lord who heals me. He said, you serve your God. He'll bless your food, your water. I'll get rid of sickness among you. There won't be miscarriages or barren women in your land. I'll make sure you live full and complete lives. If you serve me, I'm going to make sure this happens to you. Has he changed? He has not changed. Now go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. The spiritual is so much more powerful than the natural. Don't sit there, Don't if you're watching my internet, don't sit there watching and think, yeah, but now you, preacher, you don't know what all I've got listening. I don't care how bad it is, the spiritual is so much more powerful than any symptom in a body or any disease, do you believe God's power can change things in the blink of an eye? I'm telling you. I've seen it. I've experienced it. But if you think it's too hard for God, it's not that it's too hard for Him. It's just you don't believe it. You're not convinced. Let these words come into you and change you and begin to believe how big God is and how good He is and that He said, You stay with me. You serve me. You do what I tell you to do. And I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep you. Did he say it? Did he say it? I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to take sickness out of the midst of you. I'm going to see to it that you make it all the way to a good old age. Did he say it? He hasn't changed. He didn't change. His will hasn't changed. He he doesn't need to change. Our approach to him has changed. Our access to him has changed. It got better. Way, way better. And instead of trying to be righteous by keeping rules, we're righteous by faith in Jesus. It got better. It got easy. Is that right? But you still got to cast the care over on him. And not try to fix it yourself and do it yourself. Still got to do that. And then trust in him. Now in 1 Corinthians 6. Are you there? What we see in these passages. In Exodus. And Deuteronomy. We see basically the Lord keeps saying. You keep my words. You obey my directions. You do my will. You follow my plan. And I'm going to sustain you. And take care of you. Spirit, soul and body. I'm going to take care of your body. I'm going to take care of your health. I'm going to keep you alive throughout your whole life. I'm going to take care of your family. 
I'm going to take care of your finances. I mean, if we look at thing after thing after thing, it's the covenant. You keep your part with me, and I'm going to be able to keep that part with you. How does that affect us in the New Testament? The principle is the same. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 13, is 1 Corinthians 6 in the New Testament? Is he writing to believers, the saints at Corinth? Certainly is. He says, meats for the belly and belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Well, that sounds rough. That's King James. If you look at different translations, it, it brings out food and the body. But look at the next part. The body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. <laughs> uh, literally, it says, not for whoredom. And what that means is just having sex with everybody. People say, well, I... My body's my body, and, and I got to drive, and that's what, that's what I'm made for. That's what the No, no, it's not. The body is not made for fornication. It's made for the Lord. What does that mean, the body is for the Lord? Well, we, we're going to see just a little bit later. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. The body is for the Lord. Why do you have a body? Don't let this be too simple for you. Why do you have a body? A lot of people would think, well, so, so I can have a good life and do what I want to do. And, eh. <laughs> Wrong answer. So I can experience whatever carnal pleasures I can get so I could you know that's why God gave me this body no first and foremost you and I have a body for the Lord so we can do what he wants us to do we can't do anything in this earth without a body your body is your earth suit you lose your earth suit you have to leave the planet you do now there's a side thought there are no spirits of departed people roaming the earth, honing things. Not happening. You say, well, there's a lot of spiritual supernatural phenomena. I know there is. And I didn't say there weren't any spirits doing things. I said it's not these people honing things. It's wrong spirits, evil spirits impersonating people that they were familiar with back when they lived. Which is why they could know some things about them from four centuries ago. But it's not the person. When you lose your earth suit, you got to leave. And you either go up or you go down. But you don't hang around. <laughs> Study it in the Word. See what we're talking about. <laughs> the body is not for fornication, not for whoredom. It's for what? The Lord. For what? Why do I have a body? So I can be in this earth and have a life down here. And do what? We should have a mindset of service to Him. Right? Why do I have a body? I mean, everybody's got their part. My part right now. Why do I need a body? Why do I need a voice? 
Not so I can cuss and damn everything. Not so I can berate people and make them feel bad about their self. Why do I need a voice? What part of my call is communicating? Talking to you. Why do I need hands? Why do I need feet? Why do I need heart and lungs and kidney? Come on, can you see what I'm talking about? Well, if I'm doing with my body what the Lord wants me to be doing with my body, what can I expect? Oh, somebody's getting it. What can I expect? Read the very next phrase. The body is not for fornication, but the body is for the Lord. That's not the end of the sentence. And the Lord is for the body. If my body is for the Lord, then the Lord is for my body. If I'm going to use my body to take care of his business, he's going to use his power to take care of my body. Come on, can you see this? Somebody say the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Mm. Does this do anything for you? Keep reading. He said, God has both raised up the Lord and he'll raise us up by his own power. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know you not that he which is joined to an harlot's one body, two he says will be one flesh, but he that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Can you sin against your own body? People say, well, it's my body. I can do what I want to with it. If you're a Christian, it's not your own body. And if you're not a Christian, you should be. (laughs) You're in really bad shape. You're not just ignorant. If you, if you don't know that the, if you're a Christian, don't know that your body belongs to the Lord, you're ignorant. But if you're lost, not only are that, but you're lost as well. You're, you're not even aware of the situation. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Verse 19, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own. Come on, sit out loud. I'm not my own. He said, verse 20, you are bought with a price. I've been bought and paid for. What's been bought and paid for? Me. Spirit, soul, mind, and body. I owned myself at one time and I sold myself. I lost myself. You did too. I lost my soul. I lost my being. But hallelujah, Jesus bought me back. That's what redeem means. He bought me back. He paid the highest price that's ever been paid for anything throughout the universe for you and me. And he bought us back. Now I'm his. I'm free, but I'm his. I'm free. I'm not destined to die and perish in judgment. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not my own. I've been bought. He said, so glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, bought and paid for by the blood of the Lamb. Say it out loud, my spirit belongs to God. God. 
My soul belongs to God. My body belongs to Him. Well, if it's His, He ought to take care of it. If it's His. Come on now. The, the grounds out here around the church. If it's our grounds. Who's supposed to take care of it? It's our grounds. If it belongs to the church. If it's the church's furniture. If it's the church's stuff. The church ought to take care of it. Because it's the church's. If your body's the Lord's. I said if your body is the Lord's. Then the Lord is for the body. Oh, come on. You need to back up and read that again. He said, verse 13, it's not for fornication, but it's for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Said out loud, my body's for the Lord and the Lord is for my body. Come on, say it again a couple of times. My body's for the Lord and the Lord is for my body. Hallelujah. My body's for the Lord. But now we can't be just talking empty words and our body's not for him. And expect him to have the right to take care of it. God's not obligated to do just anything I say we're going to do. Or that you say you're going to do. He's not obligated to finance or back just anything we come up with. But if it's his plan, if it's genuinely to do his things, if it's his idea, you don't have to talk him into it. It's his idea. Right? And the truth is, God's not obligated to help us maintain our health and reach longevity just so we can commit affairs and do drugs and stay drunk and watch TV and have no concern and no care for his plan in the earth or what he wants done. Come on, do you understand what I'm talking about? Because in that case, it's not really his body. Even though he's paid for it, it's not in his control. We haven't placed it in his control. We are actually miscontrolling it. Sometimes letting the devil drive. How I many if you let the devil drive, he will tear up your car. <laughs> First little new motorcycle I ever got was a little Honda. And uh, uh, a little Honda twin. It was brand new. I'd never had anything like it. My folks got it for me. And uh, man, my mom came out one day at the screen door. She said, son, if you don't quit washing that thing, you can rub the paint off of it. <laughs> It never got dirty. I kept it clean, and I kept it right, and I did not abuse it. I, I didn't have any money to fix it if I broke it, and, and it was a big thing to me. So anyway, a buddy of mine who was wild and woolly, uh, he kept wanting to drive my motorcycle. And I said, no, no, you don't need to drive my motorcycle. And he kept on, oh, I thought we were friends. I thought, no, 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 you know, and just, and this went on for months and months and months. 
And finally he said, I just want to drive it. I just want to see how it is. I won't, I won't drive it fast. I won't do anything. I'll just, I'll just go right on there and turn around and come back, you know. And, and, oh, he played such a sad story and the friend card, the friend card. And, and finally I said, well, okay, okay, all right, you know, but just, just down there and come right back. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I won't, I won't do anything to it, you know. Well, he, he started up and it was real nice and he went around the corner and he went down and just as he got out of sight, I heard him. He nailed it. He just abused it and redlined it. And I'm thinking, ah, man, I should have known. How many know you should know? You should know. And that's a perfect example of letting the enemy drive. And if you're yielding to fear, you're letting him drive. If you're yielding to worry, if you're yielding to bitterness, anxiety, holding a grudge, you're letting him drive. Doing things you know you're not supposed to be doing. Then our body's not really in the Lord's care. And how can we reasonably expect him to take care of it when it's being used for ungodly things? Not being used for his plan. I knew it got a little quiet, but is it true or not? Go with me to the book of Revelation, please. While you're turning there, I'll read another scripture to you or two. You're going to Revelation. Revelation, the third chapter. In Romans 12, he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We are to use our body to serve him. We should not use our hands to do evil things with or to hurt people. We don't hit people. We don't hurt people. We lay hands on the sick and they recover. Is that right? We don't use our eyes to lust. We use them to look with compassion. Is that right? We don't use our voices, as we already said, to curse and rail and hurt. We use them to speak words that build up and edify and heal and bring faith and express love. Is that right? We use our body to do what he tells us to do. And that allows him access. The more we put under his control, the more he has a right to take care of. You believe that? This is true with our finances. This is true with our body, our marriage, our family, every part. The more we put it under his control, we can expect him to take care of it. But the more we run it on our own and use it contrary to plan and purpose and what it was designated for and made for, it's going to have problems. Because it's doing things it wasn't designed to do. It's like using a new... uh, Luxury sedan to go four wheeling in the swamp. How many of you going to have problems? Is that right? Aren't you? It's not made for that. And our bodies and our minds and our souls are not made for hate and bitterness and doubt and fear. It's not made for all that stuff. That's why we got to cast that care, get it off of us and onto Him. Revelation 3, are you there? Revelation 3 in verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write. Now, is he writing to the church? We're part of the same church. Not the Philadelphia church, but the same church in general. These things says he that is holy, 
that is true. He that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. I've set before you an open door and no man can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I'll make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Will God do some things to demonstrate to other people that he loves us? Keep reading. Verse 10. This is why this is going to happen. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation or other translations say trial, which shall come upon the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have that no man take your crown. Now look at that 10th verse again. Because you have done what? You kept my word. The word of my patience is perseverance and endurance. You didn't let it go. You didn't quit. You kept it because you kept my word. I'm going to keep you. Do you see the principle again? And is this New Testament? Because you kept my word. I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. Does that mean you're going to be sustained? Other people might fall and fail, falter, but you're going to be kept. You're going to be sustained. Why? You kept his word. You held on to it. You did what he told you to do. Now, some folks would stop and say, now, Brother Keith, that's works. He's doing this because you did this. And that's works. And that's not grace. Yeah, and you're not thinking big enough. Amen. <laughs> you're showing your lack of understanding of the scriptures. He didn't say because you qualified keeping all the commands, you did what I told you to do. You kept my words. Amen. What does that mean? We don't qualify for him to keep us through diligence in keeping commands. It's not performance based it's faith accessed you'll see more than one scripture Romans 5 2 says we access grace by faith Ephesians 3 12 says the same kind of thing we access grace by faith and because that's true if it affects your faith it's going to affect how much grace you access And if the Lord tells you to do something and you don't do it, your heart's going to condemn you. Are y'all with me? And your faith's not going to be there. Your faith's going to be undermined, which is going to prevent you from accessing the grace. It's not about works. It's about faith. Can you see this? You have to do what he told you to do or your confidence won't be there. See, I mean, if you've done, that's one of the biggest things that people have to overcome. If they drank like a fish, used every drug they could, slept with a hundred people that they didn't even know who they were or where they had been, and then they got problems, they got diseases, they got liver trouble, they got immune problems, they got this, they got the other. One of the biggest challenges they have to overcome is I've done all this stuff. I know I didn't do what God told me to do with my life and with my body. 
So they got zero confidence that they can access healing. And it's not about deserving any healing or deliverance. It's been bought and paid for. Given to us by grace. But just because it's by grace doesn't mean it automatically happens. You have to access it by faith. Come on, do you know this? I mean the grace to be born again. You got to access that by faith. You got to believe it in your heart. You got to say it with your mouth. Is that right? And if you couldn't overcome your own condemnation to do that, then you wouldn't be born again. But if you understand, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad it may have been, you can be cleansed and washed by the blood of the Lamb. Is that right? And you can rise up and say, I blew it. I've messed up so bad and had no confidence as a result. But as of today, yes. come, on. come on, is anybody listening? As of today, I am closing the door on that kind of life. And I give my body to the Lord. I give my mind to the Lord. I give my soul to you, Lord. And I will use my body now, not to sin, but to serve you. And you begin to get in faith. Okay, now he really does have it. And you'll begin to see he's able to do something with it now. That he really does have it. And the body's for the Lord. Now you're going to see the Lord doing things for the body. You didn't earn it. You didn't merit it. But praise God, you got your faith to where you could access it. It is all by grace. But it's accessed by faith. He said, you kept the word of my patience. What if they hadn't kept the word of his patience? He wouldn't have had the right to do for them what he's talking about, keeping them. Come on, think with me. You got somebody that obeyed him. Somebody didn't obey him. If they're blessed equally on everything, what's the difference? There's no benefit in trusting him and obeying him. Is there a difference? And it's not that God's against you or he's going to do something bad to you. It's just that your confidence won't be there to lay hold of it and access it. Let me just say it like this. I know my own aunt Uh, This happened more than once in my family and people I've known, but this stands out to me. My Aunt Odessa, married to my Uncle Hoyt, (laughs) Deep South. And these are all part of double names, Hoyt Franklin. And anyway, they were married, and as a young woman, she got deathly ill. And in seeking the Lord... He he dealt with her strongly that she had a call on her life to preach. Well, women preachers in those days, in those circles especially, were not something most people would want to deal with. I'm talking about her being a woman preacher. She wouldn't want to deal with the persecution that came with that. And she realized, though, I either do this or I'm going to die. You see this kind of thing again and again. You know, Brother Oral Roberts, as a young boy playing basketball, had a very similar thing happen to him. He had tuberculosis, and the Lord showed him that he could either preach or die. Brother um, Lester Summerall, thank you. Brother Lester Summerall, the Lord showed him a casket or a pulpit. 
Now people hear things like that and they think, well, that means, boy, you the preacher, God's going to kill you. No, that's not right. So what else could it be? That's not right. It's not God's going to kill you if you don't do what he told you to do. It's unless you do what he tells you to do and allow him to come into your life and help you, you're not going to make it past this. That's how it is. It's not God's going to kill you if you don't preach. It's you doing your own thing, using your body just for your own life, rejecting his purpose and plan. Now you've hit some problems here. And you're not going to make it past this, doing your own thing. But if you'll give it to me, if you'll give it to me, if you'll give me your life, give me your body, make a commitment. You're going to use this body to serve me. You're going to use this body. Friend, this has happened so many thousands and millions of times all across the planet. People have got, they've run up in, uh, to an impasse, something they could not get past. And they looked up, they knew God called them when they were 13. They knew God told them to do something 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but they just ignored it. Well, you, you ignore it so long, you're going to run up against something. Using your body for a life that wasn't God's plan. It's going to make you old before your time. It's going to cause you, it's going to allow problems that you shouldn't have. Oh, but somebody say the mercy of God. The mercy, the mercy of God. Ain't Odessa as a young woman, nearly dead. She looked up off that deathbed. She said, I will preach. I will do it, Lord. I don't care what they say. I will do it. And she became a fiery Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. And preached for decades and decades and was a, a pillar in the community and help found churches and pastor churches. Somebody say glory to God. Well, I don't have to tell you what happened with Oral Roberts or Brother Lester Sumrall. How many think the pulpit's a better choice than a casket at an early age? And maybe you're not called to preach, but you're called to do something. I said you're called to do something. And your call is just as important to you as any preacher's call is to them. Whatever God's called you to do, do not just say, I'm going to use my body to do whatever I want to and be comfortable and have my little life and do what. You're going to do that only so long and you're going to run up against something you can't get past. And if we're going to expect God to work miracles to sustain us, because that's what it's going to take in this evil, curse-filled earth. There's enough stuff in the air right now to kill you a thousand times over. And everything you eat and everything you drink, there's enough problems with just the problems in DNA after generations and all the stuff that goes on to bother your immune system on and on and on and on. We need help just to make it down here. Don't we? We need regular quickenings, don't we, of the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you're 14 or 84. We need quickenings. Somebody say quickenings. We, we need quickenings. You can't expect the Lord to take full responsibility for your body. And you never use it for him at all. Can you? You can't expect the Lord to take full responsibility for your finances. And you don't tithe. 
And you never do anything for his kingdom? Can you? It's unreasonable. You can't expect the Lord to take responsibility for your marriage and for your family. And you never talk about him in front of your kids. You never have prayer. You never read a scripture. Come on, are y'all with me? You won't lead anybody to go to church. He doesn't have access. You haven't given it to him. You're holding on to the reins. You're using it only for what you want to use it for. Your body is your body and my money is my money and my life is my life and nobody tells me what to do with it. Well, suffer <laughs> and come up short and live hard and die young. That's the way it works. Oh, but is it true that the Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth is the Lord who heals you? And if you will give yourself to him, if you'll do it and say, Lord, my body's for you, he'll say, and I am for your body. And I'm going to take sickness out of the midst of you and the number of your days I'm going to fulfill. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody believe that in here? Stand up on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes. Pray it out loud. Father God, I worship you. Forgive me holding on to things too tight. For my use only. Trying to control things. Just live my life. You bought me. I am not my own. You have every right to everything I am, everything I have, and ever will be. You bought me. You paid for me. And I yield myself. I yield myself to you. My body is your body. My life is your life. I yield it to you in Jesus' name. And I thank you for doing what you said and sustaining me and healing me and keeping me and making me strong to do your will from now all the way to the end. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.